Welcome into District 1 Sports. Mike and Micah back with you like we promised. Now, Sunday and Thursday, you will see a pot out on our feed all throughout football season. Micah, we started this pod and it was NBA season. We talked Wizards. We talked Draft. We talked uh, MLB, the Caps, all the NFL offseason storylines, the acquisitions, everything. But we're finally talking football we're finally getting ready for a game and it's not great to start i could put it like that curtis samuel on monday practices everybody's like okay he's here we're back then he's back out on wednesday i'm like okay it's looking like he's really gonna play ramon vera wasn't lying to us he did say he'll probably play about 20 to 25 snaps but that's expected he hadn't played he hadn't played in a couple of months then the news comes out on wednesday that He started to warm up, and then he went off to the side with a trainer. Then today, he just stretches and doesn't even participate in practice. So DMPs for the past two games, uh, for the past two days, and now we can all assume that he's not going to be out there on Sunday to start the season. Now, my question is, Micah, one of the biggest issues we had last year was the wide receiver position. We had Isaiah Wrights out there, your Steven Sims out there, your Cam Sims was your number two receiver. We thought bringing in a Curtis Samuel would just raise the room. Um, drafting a Deami Brown. I mean, Cam Sims still in the mix, but slotted now as the fourth or fifth receiver. Everybody now has to step up to a place where they weren't supposed to be slotted to start the season. Do you think this affects the Washington offense in a big way? I think it affects the offense, but not in a huge way. And it does suck that your basically your biggest offensive free agent is not going to be available for, let's say, the first two weeks or so just because of how tight the games are as we you know as is well documented there's a five-day stretch pretty much between games and that's a very very hard thing to kind of do like you know pick up a game and play another game that thursday but the one thing that i think saves the situation is the fact and as you mentioned is the fact that they handled part of the receiver issue in the draft as well now and you made a great point about it how cam sims was our number two receiver last year pretty much going down the stretch but even in a situation where Curtis Samuel is hurt, he's your number four or possibly number five guy. Most likely number four guy, but that, in my opinion, is a way better spot to be in than having to rely on Cam Sims as a number two, even if he gets you know rave reviews from Ryan Fitzpatrick or whatever the case may be. The fact that the talent around Terry McLaurin at the base is way better than what it's ever been. It's going to help him out. I firmly expect Naomi Brown to have a great game for his first professional NFL game. I expect him to be. Let me stop you there real quick because you say it's way better. What, what do we know that's way better? Because I understand uh, everybody's excited for Naomi Brown, Adam Humphreys. Is he really like that much of an upgrade over what we had last year? Like is, is, are we expecting a Logan Thomas jump that it's like, okay, He's really here now. Like, if Curtis Samuel isn't here to round up the group, last year it was Terry, Steven Sims, Isaiah Wright, Cam Sims uh, for the most part. Now we're going Terry, Adam Humphreys, a rookie, and Cam Sims. How much better is that group really than it was compared to last year? I think, and this is a great question because it's on the minds of basically everybody that's kind of worried about what Curtis will bring to the table and the fact that he's not going to be able to play for one or two weeks. But I do think that on the base level, they've gone from a unit that was bottom half of the league, even with Terry being there, to 
without Curtis Samuel, them being maybe towards the middle of the pack. And yes, it is kind of similar to what this offense and what the quarterback situation has been as well. But I think it kind of goes in line to what this offense is going to be in general. Curtis Samuel is supposed to be the X factor of this offense pretty much. And it won't be necessarily an X factor on the field for offense. And while that might hurt some of your gadget plays and some of the more creative things you'll do down the line, I think the entire offensive operation is going to be a lot cleaner, which is going to benefit having your best, well, your your most dynamic receiver possibly being out. So, yes, is missing Curtis Samuel going to hurt? Technically, yes. But I do think what Adam Humphreys does in the slot as a true slot option and what Dami Brown can bring to the table if he continues his good play from the preseason and what we've seen on film, I do think that the baseline, you know, the level of play they're going to be expected is going to be a little bit higher than what it was last year. And to me, that's a win. Now, am I going to be like, oh, we don't need Curtis Samuel? No, we absolutely need Curtis Samuel because even if Diami Brown ends up being a dynamic receiver, it's still going to take time for him to be able to be a productive receiver all of the time. For him to be able to command the amount of targets as a number two receiver does in the league, it's going to take some skill. We saw Terry make the jump to a number one receiver, but we had nobody else to, to do that. It's because he had to. And you start to see the ball rolling for guys like Terry, maybe in the middle of the season and starts going forward. And I expect the same thing for Adami Brown. But when there's guys like Cam Sims who can come in in a pinch if you do need that, and when there's guys like Adam Humphrey still around who is a reliable slot target for the better half of the last uh, part of the decade, then the situation gets a little bit easier to manage, I would say. But to say that we're not going to miss Curtis is ridiculous. And you hope he gets healthy because... He, like I said, he was the biggest offensive free agent signed. And if you're not, if you're missing the guy that you spent all this money for, it's kind of an issue. But for this game, and maybe for the next two games, I think they'll be able to get through with it without missing him way too much. But it is something to watch going forward. I don't know. I'm worried. I just don't think that. I guess Humphreys is an upgrade over what Stephen Sims was in the slot. He's not as explosive as Stephen Sims, but Stephen Sims truly wasn't making explosive plays. He was just in the mix. He was just there. Yeah. And if you look at that, then probably you have somebody as reliable. And I do think Logan Thomas is going to take a jump this year. But to put a lot of pressure on a first-year guy in De'Ami Brown, De'Ami Brown. He, he is getting a, a lot of the hype that's similar to Terry did of how good he was in camp. But to go up against uh, – to go up against uh, – another team in your first game. Yeah, Terry scored a touchdown and he was cooking. I don't know if Deami got that got it yeah, like that. Especially so, especially if I could just like no, the, the DBs are gonna be going against. It's not a group that's really, really easy. I mean, you think Chris Harris, but they also just drafted Asante Samuel. They have Derwin James out there. Nasir Adderley is a great middle of the field type of safety. Michael Davis, he's not necessarily a big, big name at corner, but he's a solid corner and so is Tevin Campbell. Tavon Campbell I should say. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what a rookie day one is going to be able to do, but we're not going to play guessing games. We're going to see on Sunday. Yeah, and I totally agree with you there where it's not an easy matchup uh, for in the backfield for the DBs. I guess if the only positive that we have for him now is that this offense has been rocking without Curtis all offseason because Curtis mm-hmm. essentially got hurt in OTAs and he hasn't practiced with the first team since. So there is continuity there where if it's going to be Cam Sims or Diami in the package that they know that they're starting and they've gotten the reps and the connection with Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick actually brought up, brought up um, how good 
Cam Sims was and how they had a connection and how he called Alex Smith and said, hey, is this Cam Sims guy? Like, is he really this good? And Alex was like, yeah, he's great. Like, he's a guy, really big, reliable, can go up and get it. So I am worried because I do think this offense still needs a lot to jumpstart it. I just think it's going to be Antonio Gibson, Logan Thomas, and Terry McLaurin have to make up that production from what they're missing with Curtis Samuel from last year. Now, Curtis Samuel obviously is the storyline and everything, but we do have to actually talk about the people that are going to be playing. So this Chargers offense, this Chargers defense, this Washington football offense, Washington football defense, what matchup scares you the most, Michael? What are you saying that uh, I'm not really sure about this matchup here, and this is the reason why Washington football could potentially lose? I, I'm not going to lie. I am extremely worried about our O-line versus the Chargers D-line. Joey Bosa is going to be, he's going to be lined up on, on <laughs> he's going to be either lined up on Charles Leno or Sam Cosby. Um, that's going to be interesting. I, I know Charles Leno is a middle of the, uh, middle of the pack uh, tackle and he can get it done, but for it to be your first game and you have to go against a Bosa brother, that's, that's interesting. It's not just Bosa. They have Jerry Tillery. They got Linval Joseph in there. They can get it done. I mean, this is going to be an interesting kind of situation for being your first game because we're not going to have to wait to see if Cosme is the real deal. We're going to see day one. Kind of similar to Deami Brown who's going to be thrusted into the situation. We're going to see what Sam Cosme is about on day one. And it's not the end of the world if Sam Cosme does get beat by a perennial all-pro. But his conf- you have to really worry about the later effects that's going on after this because let's say Sam Cosme gets absolutely blown out. What happens to his confidence going forward? Yes, it's Joey Bosa, but still, this is a real, real thing, you know, for your first professional game to really go to disaster. It's not good. And the other side of that is if Sam Cosme and the O-line absolutely handle their business and hold their water, now you're looking at a unit with all the momentum in the world going for the rest of the season. And I think they can repeat and be one of the top seven O-lines if this gets off right. But the big thing here is you can't let get overmatched. Really, at, you know, day one, you have to put up a fight on day one. And there's really no more running from it. I mean, we're here. So that's really what I'm worried about because if the line play collapses and you get a, a regression from last year. Now, mind you, the, the names that were there last year, I, I do think that we stayed a little bit even with all the changes made. Maybe the only guy I'm still kind of missing is Morgan Moses. But Samuel uh, Sam Cosme seems like he gets the job done. But if your offensive line regresses while it's supposed to technically have gotten better or stayed the same, that's kind of an issue going forward, too. So that's really what I'm looking forward. And I really just don't want to end up in a situation where we have Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's old. He's not necessarily the most mobile guy. He's a little bit more mobile than people give him credit for. But I don't want him in a situation where he's panicking and just throwing up balls because we've seen that happen with the Dolphins. And you see what happens when he has to just rely on his playmakers all the time. He's going to throw some touchdowns, but it's going to be a lot of bad football from Ryan Fitzpatrick. And once again, you don't want to start off the year with bad momentum, with really just a bad offensive like uh, operation going on, and being in a situation where all the work that you did in the offseason and preseason is just negated in one game. That's the last thing I want to see. So if the old line is stout and holds their water and really neutralizes Bosa, to as much as you can, of course, then I think it's a success. But that's really what I'm looking out for. The only positive about going up against Joey Bosa, uh, Brandon Scherr said to Sam Cosme is that it's going to get easier from there. <laughs> you're you're getting baptized <laughs> in fire with the one of the best DNs in the league, and then from there it's kind of easy. You're kind of chilling. But 
he has gone up against Chase Young and Montez Sweat, and hopefully that helps him out in this matchup. But I'm definitely worried about um, that D-line and just dominating the O-line. I'm surprised you didn't go with the wide receivers and tight ends here because that's where I'm going. Keenan Allen, we know how great he is. And uh, Mike Williams, we also know how great he is. But that tight end, Jared Cook, really good with the Saints. My issue is that tight ends notoriously have killed the Washington football team. Zach Ertz has tormented the Washington football team over the years. They've just never been able to stop tight ends. And if Justin Herbert is able to get into a groove, is finding Keenan Allen, is finding Williams, is getting uh, Jared Cook underneath, it's going to be a disaster for the offense because no matter how fast that D-line is getting to Herbert, if the wide receivers are taking advantage of this secondary, it doesn't matter. Now, William Jackson, he said today that he's 100% healthy that he feels good, that the reason why they had him out of preseason was precautionary, and he's ready to go, hopefully. He didn't look great in training camp. He was getting beat a lot. Wasn't great. Um, didn't have um, a great camp in general where people were just saying, ah, I don't know about this, new system and everything. So to be tested with Keenan Allen, if he's going to follow him, which I assume um, he will if he's playing outside in St. Justice, that's a tough matchup. So I'm just looking for looking to see this secondary actually come together and lock down um, these uh, skill position guys. Luckily, Hunter Henry is gone now, and he's with the Patriots. But Titans have killed them. Burners have killed them. Amari Cooper last year, I remember against Ronald Darby. And I'm not comparing Jackson to Darby, but he got beat so many times deep. And Justin Herbert can put the ball in the right position for the wide receiver. He doesn't need that much space. So I'm looking towards that. Um, DB wide receiver matchup. But let's flip it over, Micah. Where are you most excited for? Where do you think that we can dominate the Chargers and that leads us to a victory? I think that one of the biggest things we could do on day one is our linebacker situation and our front seven. So really our front seven, I should just say. Our front seven could absolutely dominate the Chargers. Um, I'm not necessarily a person that's high on their O-line. And I think that's probably been- They have a terrible O-line. And yeah, that's one just of the as, just as how Cosme is going to be going up against Joey Bosa. Rashawn Slater is starting his first game against Chase Young and Montez Sweat, which is not an easy task at all. I think it actually might be worse just because of the the speed and the athleticism that both guys have. You know that Chase Young. I mean, of course you know, but Chase Young and Montez Sweat they don't necessarily stay stagnant to one side. They get moved a lot around on the edges and this defense. So man, but that is exactly why I'm most excited to see this because I do think that this front, let's say five, I'm not going to say front seven yet, but this front five might be the best in the league. I, I, I Actually, I'll take might out of this. I think they're the best in the league, and I think they're going to be able to dominate on Sunday. And if they do dominate on Sunday, all of the magic that Justin Herbert can do, it's going to be negated somewhere. And let's not make any mistakes about it. Justin Herbert is an extreme premium talent already in the league. I would consider him a top 12 quarterback already. Some people will put him in the top 10, and I think that's perfectly fine. But I, I would consider him a top 12 quarterback already who can get the job done, who has faced pressure because we saw what happened last year with the Chargers. Yes, they didn't win a lot of games, but he was amazing. And one of the things that you have to have kind of have to do early on against a team like the Chargers who's looking to prove themselves after a interesting first year is you have to just kill all their confidence right from the jump. And if Chase Young comes out here and has a similar um first series as he did with the Patriots where he's getting instant pressure, instant pressure, and he forces something or he gets a sack, then the boys are going to be okay. 
I think that this front seven and really the front five for whoever you want to call it, just because, I mean, it's a five-man rotation pretty much, but the front five is going to absolutely dominate. And I think this is going to be the catalyst for the rest of the season. You're going to see a lot of similar themes going on with this team. And I think that the D-line is going to be one of the biggest and most important themes going forward for this team. I feel like each week when we're doing this preview, we're both just going to say D-line every single week. Pretty and much. it's warranted because we don't, like, I don't think we could put into words how dominant this unit is going to be. Matt Ioannidis was gone all of last year. He's now yep. back in the rotation. Tim Settle will not be getting snaps, really. And Tim Settle will probably be a starter on a decent amount of teams in the league yep. at this defensive tackle. So you have Chase Young and Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, who's now paid, DeRon Payne, who's trying to get paid, and then you have Matt Ioannidis uh, as that third rotation guy. It's going to be a problem with whoever is going to be in front of them. I, I wanted to go wide receivers. I would have gone wide receivers week one if Curtis Samuel was here. And if Curtis Samuel does enter the mix, I do think some secondaries will have problems trying to keep up with the speed of Terry um, and Curtis and then trying to protect the middle of the field um, with Logan Thomas. But this D-line is going to completely and utterly dominate. And I think that's what's going to get Justin Herbert just not in a rhythm. He's not going to be able to sit in the pocket. And we saw it last year where he had trouble and they had one of the worst O-lines. They try to upgrade by getting Slater, but still, when you have matchups where you have to try to double-team somebody and it's leaving a one-on-one matchup up front, he's going to be really uh, worried about that. And then along with Austin Eckler potentially not playing, and seeing that they may have to pass the ball more because your premier running back is out with a hamstring issue, it could be a good day for the defense. I want Before we go to predictions, I just came up with a quick question, Michael. Who is going to surprise us, whether a rookie, second-year player, a vet? Who do you think is going to surprise us week one? I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to surprise us. And he should, you know, for all intents and purposes, be the guy who plays a clean, clean game. But really, I'm not going to lie, there is no predicting what Fitzpatrick is going to do week in and week out. And I think that's going to play to his advantage in this game. Now, we'll see what's going to happen going forward. But I think Ryan Fitzpatrick has a really, really clean football game. And I think he has a game where he spreads the ball around a lot. He controls the game with quick passes, getting the ball out in the West Coast style offense. They run the ball fine, and I think he leads this team to a victory, and I think it's going to be on him to do that because I do think that at times the the D-line situations on both times, uh, both teams, I should say, are going to kind of negate each other, but I do think that quarterback play is going to be able to be the catalyst for this, and I do think that, and I'll just say, I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be able to outplay Justin Herbert this Saturday. Now, that doesn't mean, oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is better. If we could have Justin Herbert right now for a straight-up trade, I will give them that, a first-round pick, whatever they wanted to give Justin Herbert right now. That's not happening. But I do think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is in a good situation to show he really means business with this team, to not put himself in a situation where he might get replaced down the line. And, you know, that still might happen. But at least for right now, in the beginning of the season, I think he shows why he was chosen as the starter. And I think he has a play, uh, plays a good, clean game. And to me, that's actually kind of a surprise because, once again, I have no idea what he's going to do. I don't think anybody knows what he's going to do. And I don't even think he knows what he's going to do. But we're going to see on Sunday, and I think he's going to play pretty fine if I just put my guess on it. For me, I'm going way off the board, and that's John Bates. 
I don't Ooh. know why, but I just feel like John Bates is going to get a touchdown in this game. It's going to be a little two tight end set near in the red zone, and John Bates is just going to find himself open. And he's going to get his first touchdown uh, this week in Washington. So that's who I'm going. Off the board guy. Hasn't really made much noise in camp. He did have a couple of catches in preseason, but that's who I'm going to go with as my surprise guy for week one. So now it's time, Micah. We're going to do this every week. We're going to keep track of how we do each and every week. The Los Angeles Chargers are coming to Washington, D.C. to play the football team. Your final score prediction, who is winning this game? I have it going 21-17 Washington football team. reason I say this, I, I do think that Washington is going to be able to stop the Chargers from getting the 21 points. I think the defense is going to be really stout. And as I mentioned before, I do trust Ryan Fitzpatrick to at least two touchdowns while AG possibly gets one on the ground. And I think you're going to see a solid football game from the offense and an outstanding football game from the defense. But 21-17, Washington football team is 1-0. Ooh, a low-scoring matchup. Mm, uh, I've gone back and forth on this. I think Washington wins 28 28- to 15. Oh, I think that the Washington football team defense, because of the Chargers, they're not playing the preseason. It's going to, they're going to be shook. The speed is going to be too much for them. It's a new offense, a new coach. Everything is brand new. You're going from West coast to DC for a one o'clock game. I think you go ahead and you just say, Hey, this game is going to be over for the Los Angeles Chargers, and we're looking at a 1-0 team this week. I like that, man. I mean, the biggest thing for me, and I think one of the biggest keys for them, we both it's interesting, we both kind of picked the Chargers to be in that 15-17 to 17 range, is that we? I guess we both kind of think that the defense is going to absolutely negate whatever the Chargers are going to try to do on offense. And I think that's going to be, once again, you said it, we're going to be mentioning this a lot going down the line, but this defense has a chance to be one of the best in the league, if not the best in the league. And I think you're going to see that in situations where teams aren't necessarily as prepared as they could be. So teams that are flying in from across the countries like the Chargers are, they have to deal with other elements outside of football. I think these things are what gets teams kind of lacking and lagging against teams with great defenses, especially home games against great defenses. And not to mention, I don't necessarily think that FedEx Field is going to be a, a... uh, home field advantage, but I do think that the fans in their first time back really are going to be extremely excited, and I think the defense is going to feed off that. So that 15 and to 17 range getting, for the Chargers. You're not getting Los Angeles fans coming to D.C. like a Philadelphia or Dallas or yep. whenever they, sometimes they take over the stadium. It's a cross-country flight, so at least you're going to have Washington football team fans in the stadium. Exactly, and that's my biggest thing. I think the defense feeds off that, and I think that's why we both kind of pictured them being in that 15 to 17 range because the defense is going to absolutely play lights out, in my opinion, and probably your opinion too. And look, man, (laughs) one of the best defenses, this is what they got to do against teams that are kind of just moving along, going with the motions. They got to dominate them, and I think they're going to dominate them. I do too, and that's going to wrap up this podcast. We'll be back Sunday night to review the Chargers game and also preview the Giants game because we do have a quick turnaround. We are on Thursday Night Football, National TV, second game of the season. It should be fun. But for Mike and for Micah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.